so great to see you today. Thank you for coming along. My name's Jo. I'm Jo Henning. I lead Winchester Vineyard Church with my husband, Nigel. Hey, got <laughs> some support in the house. Thank you. And um, we are regional leaders for the South, Southwest and Wales region. Try and say that three times fast and it's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, but today I'm just talking to you basically as a fellow traveller on a journey with Jesus. I'm sure that I'm like many of you, that I love the Lord and I want to see more of him in my life and in the people around me, those who are in the church that I lead, along with a team of other people and also those in my community. And so I've brought some friends with, with there are three of us today doing a bit of a tag team. Um, and as we listen, our, we have three aims really for our time together today. The first is that this wouldn't just be about information. But actually, in this moment, we would all meet with Jesus personally. And we're going to have some time and space to think about how we can do that. Secondly, I really hope that we would all be encouraged on our journey for more of him. Because that's why we're here, isn't it? We want to know him better. And the third thing is that we would perhaps work out a next step that we could take as we walk with Jesus, as we learn to um, experience more of his power and his presence in our lives. So that's what we're here for. Over to Mark. Just a quick introduction. Um, my name is Mark Isles. Um, I'm a long-standing member of Winchester Vineyard. I have been married to Julie. Oh, we, I forget. We go for the woo at the Winchester bit, don't we? I forget that. Um, I've been married to Julie for 44 years, and she works in the Compassion Ministry at church. Um, I'm usually described as a prophetic extrovert chartered accountant. <laughs> so I've had a lot of counselling down the years is my standard reply to that. Um, I'm sharing with you because I've been teaching and leading in prophecy for just under 30 years now. So I hope to share with you some of that experience. Um, my passion is the gift. That's my calling. And I left my career job in 2006 started the School for Prophecy and have been teaching online and in-person prophecy courses, which is, if you're interested in prophecy, I will help you and teach you how to grow. So that's that's me. And over to Paul. Hello, my name's Paul Phillips. Oh, I've got it. a queen in the back of me. Um, yeah, I'm part of the staff at Winchester Vineyard. I've been connected with the vineyard since 93, so a number of years, done a whole load of different things. And... Um, Apart from kind of working for the church, most of my time I work with kind of envisioning, training and equipping people that are going to the um, Muslim world. And some of the things that we'll be talking about in sense of kind of hearing God's voice and uh, just um, healing and seeing people touched by God is a, a great way and to see Muslims. And there's hundreds and thousands of them who have come to Jesus in the last few years. Did I say I was married? I don't know. I'm married and I've got four children. <laughs> I get into trouble if this recording gets out. <laughs> and so I promised you that this isn't just going to be about information. We're going to have some time to encounter God. And so Paul's just going to lead us in a little exercise at the beginning. And then we are, we've got slides and we're going to talk about stuff in a bit. But let's, let's connect with Jesus first. So we're just going to start with just a time of kind of just stillness. Just learning to kind of still our minds and just wait on God. It's one of the things that will come up again and again as we share some stuff. But if we want to hear God's voice for prophetic, to speak words of life into people's lives, we need to learn how to still our minds. And I don't know about you, I've, my mind's been racing in the seminar. We've been rushing from seminar, food, to here. 
we need to learn to still ourselves, to hear the still, small, yet life-changing voice of God. So just begin just to maybe just shut your eyes. Maybe just begin to become aware of your breath. An easy way just to still your mind is just maybe just repeat a phrase saying like, I love you, Jesus. For some of you, you'll be very familiar with this, and it's called like a breath prayer or a Jesus prayer. Let's just begin to become aware of God. Just as you become aware of him, just acknowledge him. Gaze on him. Be still before him. So we're just going to have a couple of minutes just of silence to hear his voice for you today. If your mind begins to wander, just go back to that phrase or whatever it is that helps you just center yourself and become aware of him. So I'm just going to hand over to Joe again. But just keep aware of what God is saying to you. One of the key things as we step into the stuff that we wanted to do is learning to multitask. So irrespective of who is speaking, always keeping your heart posture of what God are you saying to me. 
Lord, we just love your presence with us. We just ask that you'd continue to increase that on us. Just rest on us more heavily. We welcome you. We welcome you. Thank you, Lord. So as Paul said, just stay as you are. Perhaps, perhaps we just might sneak out the door, shall we? <laughs> the Lord's here. Thank you, Lord. So grateful. You know, when we were asked to send in our seminar details, in a bold and maybe audacious moment, we decided to call this one Come Holy Spirit. Um, but since then, I've had many times thinking, gosh, was that just being impertinent, presumptuous? You know, who am I to stand up in front of all of you who may have many more years of experience and, um, you know, uh, wisdom and years of, of, of leading people into his presence than I do? Because I am just a regular wife and mum who's trying to follow Jesus and help lead a church. But like many of you, the undercurrent of my life is wanting to see more of God in my life and in the lives <coughs> of those that we lead. And if I'm honest, that comes in fits and starts. There are seasons of passion and pursuit. And there are also seasons of questions and disappointment and not actually wanting the inconvenience. And I was hugely challenged one time to hear Alan Scott speaking about the elephant in the room for many of us who are vineyard leaders. And he said, look, we're part of a, a movement that's been birthed in signs and wonders. Our history, our DNA, are the presence and the power of God being expressed in people's lives. And yet how many of those are actually seeing him do those things in our own lives? And so maybe like you, I've read the books I've listened to the podcast, I've known the stories. But how do I, as a follower of Jesus and a leader in the church, consistently live so that I'm doing the stuff? And that's what this seminar's about this afternoon. Just some pointers, some things that we found helpful, and some things that we're just trying to put into practice. You're here because you have a longing for more of God. And that's something that he has put in your heart. In Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And someone explained that once to me, which is that he'll give you those desires. He'll actually put them inside you, and then he'll give you those desires. He just really delights to see those fulfilled for you. And so if you're here because you want more, then that's a God thing. That's something that he's planted within you. And his promise is that he will come and meet you and he'll come and provide and, and deliver what you're asking for. It's not comfortable, but it's a God thing. And it's something that keeps on pulling us back to him. And we can cooperate with him both personally and at a kind of church or corporate level. And so what we're going to do today is Paul's going to be talking a little bit about what that looks like personally. And Mark's going to be talking a bit about what that might look like strategically or at a church level. And then I'm just going to have a few thoughts as kind of a leader who's trying to oversee and, and make that, help that work and fit together in the local church. So that's where we're going. Thank you, Joe. And so as Joe said, and it's in the notes, um, one of our desires is kind of creating this kind of kingdom mindset and an expectation for God encounters. So a lot of what's going to be said is in your notes because we haven't got that much time. Also, particularly in relation to some of the things I share and Mark shares, just because of time, you'll see at the end on the back of the sheet, 
that we're going to produce videos. So actually all the points that I'm going to cram into 10 minutes, there's like a 10-minute video uh, on it on Winchester Vineyard uh, website. And so this idea of kind of creating a kingdom expectation uh, mindset so that we begin to see um, people encountering God on a daily, uh, everyday level. You see, kind of impacting people is meant to be more than just an event. And I'm not saying these things are not important as a, as a pastor and trying to encourage my church to grow. And so as soon as you kind of create this event, you know, come and do this, treasure hunting, I do all these things, kind of praying for the sick. But ultimately, ourselves and the people that we are working with, this should be part of our just everyday lifestyle rather than, okay, I'm shifting into this mode and I'm going to do it. And there's not. Doing this stuff was meant to be a, a lifestyle rather than an event. So I'm kind of going to draw and just share just some kind of principles, particularly um, from the story of kind of in Acts. If you're not familiar with it, it kind of goes like this. Peter and John went to pray. I feel like I should sing a song, but you don't want to hear me sing. Amen. No, you don't want to hear me? No. They kind of met a lame man on the way. You know, Peter and John said, silver and gold have I not, but what I have I give to you. You know, so rise up and walk. And he rose up and walked and got healed and encountered God. And if you read in kind of chapter 4, it kind of says, many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And then I think there's certain things we can just learn from that in relation to just making this uh, just a way of doing life, a kind of mindset that we live from. Um, firstly, as I put there, there is no... Is it there? Yeah. There's no chapter three or four stories without chapter two story. You know, we love to hear that story, Peter and John kind of going to pray, and the lame man encountering God. But if we are going to be people that see people encountering God day by day, moment by moment, we've got to have chapter two. If you're not familiar with chapter two, it's the story of Pentecost. We need to be people who are filled and led by the Holy Spirit. And this is kind of more than just a one-off event. If you're very familiar, there's a verse in Ephesians 5.18 that says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to be debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And the Greek there, not a Greek scholar, but it's kind of present continuous. Be filled and continue being filled. Kind of being led by Him, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, as it says in, uh, in Galatians. I often say being led by the Spirit is a bit like having that kind of game Simon says. You know, if you're familiar, and if I had time to do the big training, we have like five minutes of Simon Says, but we don't have it. But you're familiar, you know. You only do something when Simon Says. Only when Simon Says, put your hand up, do you do it? And kind of keeping in step with the Spirit is a bit like that, which is why that exercise of just stilling ourselves is so important. So we know when Simon Says, or the Holy Spirit says, that we know what to do. Secondly, I need you with this. Um... We need to kind of live what's kind of called kind of scattered servants. Some of you will be familiar with that kind of language, anywhere, anytime, anyone. And uh, when I first heard this kind of phrase, maybe because the theologian in me, I wanted to kind of give it an underpinning. So I have what I call the Esther principle, the Jacob principle, and the John principle. And uh, the Esther principle is for such a time as this, I'm here. The Jacob principle is, surely the Lord is in this place. I'm not aware of it. And then the John principle is from John 5, 17. My father is always at work to this very day. 
and I too am working. And for me, this is a crucial mindset because when I have that mindset, everything changes. Uh, my local is in Asda. So when I go into that Asda, I kind of think, what is God doing at this point in time? Surely he's here for such a time as this. What is he doing? I want to just flick it. Yeah. So um, he's just going to bring this up. Right, where's Waldo? Well, I'm told that in the UK, sorry, I used to live overseas, it's where's Wally. And if you flick to the next slide, he's there somewhere. Now, you might be thinking, what's this got to do with kind of just a lifestyle? You see, the Father is always at work. The Holy Spirit is always there. you just got to find out where he is and what he's doing. It doesn't matter what your image, if you're familiar with the book, every page is different, but he's always there. It doesn't matter what page, what life you're living, whether you're in work, whether you're single, whether you're married, or you're not. Every page of your life, the Holy Spirit's there. We just got to get quicker at figuring out where he is and what he's doing. And when you have that mindset, things change. So uh, last um, Saturday, Manchester Vineyard asked me to come and help them train, um, reaching out to Muslims. So we went to the local mosque. So we're in the mosque and I'm thinking, what's God up to a couple of days ago, we were up here on Sunday night and we we're in uh, Nando's and we we're like, what's God, wanted, what's God doing here? Surely we're here for a particular reason. We don't normally come to Nando's. I live down in Winchester. So I'm not going to be in Nottingham Nando's. And we got to pray for the, the waitress and just allow God to touch her. When you have this mindset, everything changes. And I encourage you to kind of just press uh, into that. Thirdly, you can just go back to the, the first slide, Mark. Just to kind of be moved by love. When we begin to think about going out and doing things, it's not because we're trying to do an event. Our hearts need to be moved and broken by God. One of the things you see is Peter and John went to prayer and they kind of noticed. We need to begin to notice again. If we want to live a, a mindset and a lifestyle where we see breakthroughs, we be, need to begin to notice again and see what he's doing. To let our hearts be broken by it. Fourthly, there's a lot of kind of crunch in there. We need to know who we are and what authority that we have. And uh, I, um, I love what um, Archie was sharing yesterday because he saved me a whole load of time. Uh, so he talked about authority, the importance of authority, knowing what authority you carry. For me, the other side of the coin is your identity. You need to know who you are, that you have Christ in you. I'm an introvert. I don't find it easy doing small talk. I'm fine training. I've been training for years. And so you're thinking, why is he talking about kind of going out and just living a lifestyle like this? I need to know who I am, what I carry. It kind of gives you a confidence. And for me, this is very crucial. For years, I've been a, a pastor, you know, and I knew the five-step healing model. I'm not going to be teaching you that. And other ways of just kind of sharing Jesus and, and just seeing people get healed. I knew the tool, and I used it for years and years, and nothing really happened. Okay, he needs me to get healed. When I was 38, uh, I encountered the Father. I knew about, obviously, God the Father. I knew it theologically, but I encountered him, and I got revelation of who I am. Everything changed. Suddenly, people began to get healed. If I go for any period of time, I haven't seen people healed on a regular basis, because at some point, I've begun to forget who I am. And it's interesting, I put in your notes, that when you read around people that have a historical um, scene as people that... God uses a lot in signs and wonders. They talk a lot about identity. You've got to begin to remind yourself who you are. It gives you that confidence to go into places and situations 
and, and just releases his power. It's also very crucial because if you don't know who you are, you're going to go up and down. You pray for a person and it's like they didn't seem to get healed. You're down. They get healed. I mean, you want to celebrate, but it's like, I'm amazing. You go and seek to go and share Jesus in a situation or share a word and it just kind of goes down like, you know, I don't know, like a bomb. You know, it just goes down really badly and you go up and down. We're not meant to go up and down. This is meant to be fun. This is meant to be living the life. And it's only when you're secure in you, you are. It gives you freedom to go out there. You begin to like think, well, it doesn't really matter what the people think because it's what the Father thinks of me. That's what gives me that confidence. And that's why it's so uh, uh, crucial. And there's just some questions throughout my notes that will help you do it. I have a coaching background, so I love to throw questions out. Fifthly, learn to just steal yourself and live in the moment. And that, I don't have to say anything more except really what we did that exercise at the beginning. I'm in a situation. So a good example, going back to scattered servants, I, I call it the, the practice of the text. My wife would send me a text and it would say something like, what's God doing at this point in time? And suddenly whatever I'm doing, I suddenly begin to think, I wonder what he is doing. And I have to learn, just begin to steal myself and go, okay, God, who is it? Who are you drawing my, my attention to? Who needs to hear a word from you today? A word of encouragement, maybe a word of, of prophecy. So learn to live in that moment. As you begin to do that, you're just gonna, your life is never going to be the same again. It'll mess you up because there'll be an expectation there. Lastly, coming into land, this is your getting you ready, Mark. Um, kind of practice, take steps of faith and have fun. Kind of practice. I mean, what happens when the Spirit, because I used to kind of so focus on this person hearing God's voice, you pray for them, God turns up and you're like, oh, what do I do next? Oh, crumbs. You know, I remember doing this with Muslims, you know, the ears get open, the legs begin to grow, and I'm like, oh, yeah, great, God's doing something. Oh, what do I say now? Uh, so just begin to um, practice. Take steps of faith. Just step out. Uh, I just love this quote by a guy called, um, in this film, We Brought a Zoo. I think it's there in your notes. You know, something, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. And I do that. I don't know about you, but I'm often the same. In a situation, I go, if I walk around the block or I'll go down another aisle at Asda, I do a lot of my stuff in Asda. Um, and if they're still there and they look at me, then I'll share this word. And then they either they're not there or they, di you know, they disappeared or they're there. And I go, okay, no, um, if they happen to acknowledge me, you know, you, you go, you, we play these games. Just go for it. Just have a fun and um, in seeing his kingdom extend. So just to kind of conclude, I just love this quote from The Chosen. I don't know if you're familiar with that series. And it's Mary Magdalene. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. And that can be our script because of Christ being in us. How many more Mary Magdalene's are out there that we just interact, rub shoulders with in the way that we live, our neighbors, the Asdas of our world, wherever it may be, but we need to be him. And hopefully that mindset and some of the things I shared will help you to be him in those moments. But to think completely different, but still related. Mark. Okay. Thank you. Well, that's very kind of you, but I haven't said anything yet. <laughs> Gracious me. 
So this is a major change. Paul has been sharing the individual story, and I'm now going to move your brains completely up to the church level and look at the structure and the strategy. So, and this isn't just for church leaders. Um, this is for you if you're part of the prophetic community in your church and in your church family, and how you help it grow and change. And the, the title I've been given is Developing Prophetic Culture. Um, and for me, I guess the big change is in days gone by and in my early years, I was trying to bolt a prophetic conservatory onto the church and believing that that would change the nature of the church. Um, and as with my conservatory at home, it's really lovely and hot and everybody comes here in the summer and then we don't use it for nine months because <laughs> it's freezing. And prophetic culture is where prophecy is a natural part of every part of church life. It's just happening in the children's work. It's happening in the youth work. It might happen in the Sunday meeting. But as Paul shared, wherever you go, it goes with you. And so I'm looking at the bigger picture on that side. Um, I'm going to cover the three great mistakes and the three great essentials. I'm covering a heck of a lot of material for you. So there are two extensive YouTube videos, if you could bear to listen to me for 40 minutes, that will go through each of these in a lot more detail if you want to dive in and understand. I apologize for anybody who's been on my courses because I bang on about the three great mistakes. They are my mission and my passion. What stops prophecy working in the church today fully is, is these three areas, and we need to understand them and educate the church, and they're a challenge to all of us. With salvation coming in the new covenant, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, which is what Paul and Joe have been talking about, and that just changes the role of prophecy completely. You don't need to go to a prophet or prophetess to hear what God is saying. You should be asking him yourself because he's your dad. He's your father. The curtain's been torn in two. And no prophet or priest or king comes between you and Jesus because those are his roles in your life. So prophecy has changed profoundly between the old covenant and the new covenant. And in ways I don't understand, we're very happy that in the old covenant you were saved by the law. And that doesn't apply to us because we're saved by grace. And yet we still think we want old covenant prophets around who speak perfectly and their words were written into the Bibles that we read. And there were false prophets and having false prophets around was lethal. So the punishment was stoning to death as a result. So there's a huge change and a lot of the church doesn't understand this change and still thinks old covenant prophets are around. Joel spoke about... The, the anointing of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling on everybody and everybody having the potential to prophesy, to share what we call words of life because some people find the term prophecy scary, but it's words of life. They're words that will change somebody else's life. We're now in a gospel of grace. Prophecy is not about judgment and punishment, please. It comes from a God who loves you and has forgiven you. It's not old covenant. It's new covenant. It's the possibilities, the second chance, the third chance. It's about, and I'm sorry I'm using my RSV here, it is about encouragement, edification, and comfort. Um, and my mentor taught me, all prophecy is that. The Bible says, or everybody who speaks in prophecy speaks in encouragement, strengthening, and comfort. 
So we need to understand the difference between the Old and New Covenant because people are moving in something that isn't what the Bible is teaching. And it's a huge cultural change. Um, I think how to test prophecy is another one. If you're moving in Old Covenant prophecy, you don't need to test it because it's perfect. You know, prophet says it, it's going to happen. Prophetess says it, it's going to happen. All prophecy in the New Covenant has to be tested. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says we prophesy in part and we know in part. That's why I encourage people to share, I believe, I sense, I feel. Proclaiming, ah, thus saith the Lord, is implying an accuracy and authority the Bible doesn't give you. It's not, it, it might be how you share it. It might be a Pentecostal upbringing, but it isn't an authority that you, have, you actually have to have. And so people who think that because the prophecies come, they can just wait for it to happen, generally disappointed because the new covenant works by faith. We had it all Monday evening, didn't we? It comes by faith. And if you move in faith, then you have to nudge into James, don't you? There's this wretched book called James. Faith without works is dead. <coughs> so prophecy without participation isn't going to work because faith leads to works. This is the gospel. I think for me, one of the wonderful things about prophecy is it helps people understand what the gospel is. You've got to get into your new covenant gospel because Hebrews says the old covenant has gone. We have something better to live in, in the presence of the Lord. Um, there's a weakness in the church. Many church leaders don't understand or know how to test prophecy. It's not their fault. They've never been trained. They have no experience in this area. I spend a whole hour in my course teaching what um, prophecy is and how to test it um, and break it down. Um, and the last thing is the church needs to know how to respond to prophecy. I've, I've touched on faith. I still meet far too many people in the wider church who think that old covenant, because it's been said, well, it isn't perfect, but I don't have to do anything about it. It's going to happen. I got into prophecy as a pastoral elder in my first church because I was dealing with a number of people where the prophecy they wanted to happen didn't happen couldn't be their fault and guess who they blamed and so it's helping people understand you've got to move in faith the biblical response to prophecy in the new covenant is to decide and discern what you believe not what the prophet or prophetess has said or what somebody said what do you believe God has said to you and once you believe on that you need to act on it you need to participate you need to take steps of faith to bring it into fulfillment. It, the word for me is participation. We are co-workers with Christ. It's, it's in there. The church family desperately needs re-educating. I suspect that most of what I do isn't teaching people how to prophesy. I teach them what prophecy isn't because they're in an old covenant model. I don't know why we know it's okay to be saved by faith, but let's go and live by works. What is that all about? What is that all about? It's new covenant prophecy. It is a gospel of grace. It is a gospel of forgiveness. It's a gospel of reaching out to you and saying, God wants a personal relationship with you and I am his ambassador with words of life to you. Prophecy will never achieve its potential until it's allowed to change covenants. Can you put me on to the next one? Huge change. Three essential ingredients. What is prophetic culture? I am giving you a list. Please don't try and do all of these in your church. You'll kill people, okay? <laughs> you will kill people, okay? But these are all facets of things that you need to have in a church family 
for a prophetic culture to be sustainable, to be scriptural, and to be successful. But remember, Mark's selling you prophecy, okay? And that's Mark's obsession. There are a lot of other important spiritual gifts as well. It's not just all about prophecy. And there are other important things like Bible teaching and prayer and giving and service. So while I'm emphasizing one thing, but I think why I push this Um, and I'm I'm on Joe's case regularly, is I think I was born in the charismatic movement in the 70s and tongues was the way into the supernatural. And unfortunately, we divided many churches because of tongues, so it's not a comfortable place to go anymore. But prophecy, hearing from God, feels to me this season's gift to get you into the supernatural. It highlights your relationship with your Heavenly Father, hearing from your Heavenly Father. And once you move into prophecy, you start to be open to the other spiritual gifts and all the things Paul's talking to you about, about what is God saying to the person next to you in the bus queue, for instance, and just sharing with them what you feel God is saying and bringing change and wonderment into their life on that side. So um, there needs to be three E's. Um, It's the way I teach. They've all got to have the same letter. Um, Expectation, encouragement, and example. I put three things in there. Um, For expectation, you need leadership. Um, I've underlined one of them. There's no area of church that we have that works that doesn't have somebody leading it. So why isn't prophecy being led? Controversial, okay? If you want it to work, you've got to treat it like the rest of the church family. It has somebody who's leading it who's thinking about it and who's developing in its place. But it's not trying to create a prophetic identity of its own. The word we've come up with is it needs to be prophetic yeast. It needs to be yeast in every area of the church life. So you don't have to be in the prophetic team meetings. You just need to be moving in prophecy. And what God's saying, wherever you are in the church family, wherever you are at work, wherever you are shopping, in those areas. We need to teach the church family. I've told you about New and Old Covenant, but I don't see how you can encourage people to move in prophecy if you don't teach them how to test it and how to respond to it. The church needs to know this. I I grew up in a generation when the only thing we taught was spiritual gifts. But there's many people in the church these days who haven't come through that education and don't know about spiritual gifts, wonder what they are on that sort of side. And there needs to be opportunities in our meetings. The church needs to feel with expectation. There is the opportunity. It's been lovely in the main meetings where you can feel the possibility of the break-in of the unexpected. That's all you need, the possibility. It's not going to happen every meeting, but we need that expectation. There needs to be an encouragement. Um, Learning ethos is very important. You are not going to learn and practice and step out in prophecy in any church if, if you get it wrong, somebody jumps on you and says, don't do that again. There has to be an encouraging, give it a try. That was good. This would help you to do better. Did you consider this? Somebody walking alongside you to help you learn. If we can't make a mistake, nobody's going to move in prophecy. Just not going to happen. There's got to be that. There's got to be that learning ethos on that sort of side. And I think this is where the old covenant, if somebody brings something that isn't right, does that mean they're a false prophet? Well, that's going to kill any incentive in them once and for all. There needs to be training courses. I won't dwell there because I'm selling my own business. Um, but there needs to be recognition. Testimonies, testimonies of what God's doing in our lives are a real important part of church life. And prophecies, recognizing what God is saying through them as part of church life is important. And the last thing we need is examples. 
I do think you need a prophetic team in the same way I don't see how any area of church life can be successful if it's not led. I don't know any area of church life where there isn't a team. It doesn't happen if there isn't. So I'm like, why not a prophetic team? So I, it needs to be led and you need to have a prophetic team, those who are gifted. I'm referring, I think, specifically to Romans 12, 6, where it says, if your gift is prophecy prophesy in accordance with your faith and it's recognizing that there are those in the church while I would love us all to prophesy and Paul talks about that there are some who it's we recognize it's their gift and gathering prophetic people together and encouraging them helps we need vineyard prophets and prophetesses to come to our church if you've got nobody you need people from outside giving you an example of a healthy and biblical model for you to follow and do have planned ministry don't have okay we need a prophetic moment whenever you have something when you're praying for somebody who's leaving the church or praying for somebody who's joining the church or you're having a baptism or you're recognizing people just have a prophetic opportunity in that as part of what we're doing and allow the words to be spoken into and get out of your seat and share a word I do believe prophecy is important because a healthy prophetic environment releases faith for all the other gifts. Sorry if I've rattled through that. That's an awful lot. But there are YouTube videos. Thanks. And Mark hasn't done this yet, but he does have a couple of courses which are really helpful. So if you want to find out any more about those, come and nab him afterwards and he can tell you all about them. Right, anyone who's sitting on the floor got a numbum? Can I say that on the tape? Anybody want to swap a seat? If anyone will swap, if you're feeling uncomfortable. No, we haven't got long to go, but I do know it's warm. So in our church, we have a whole mixture of people, including some really strong leaders <laughs> who've got very defined ideas about where they want to do and no, what they want. <laughs> Looking at both of you. And so some of us are church leaders. And so what are the helpful things that we can do in order to say manage people like this but I would say work alongside and help our churches grow and develop in Holy Spirit ministry and then help our people kind of be so filled with the Lord that they leak as they go out and about and the first thing I wanted to say is actually do the work yourself and what I mean by that is that we can only really take people into Jesus as far as we've gone ourselves and so as leaders of course we've got that responsibility and privilege to be connecting with him daily, regularly, reading our Bible, praying, fasting, giving to the poor, silence, solitude, all those different practices that help us connect with Jesus personally. That's really important. But as well as that, sometimes we need to do some deeper work, don't we? And it might be that you have um, tried to step out in faith, as the guys have mentioned, and it's just completely fallen flat and bombed. It might be that you're carrying disappointment or a sense of loss about something. Maybe you pray for someone to get healed in your church family and they died. And you've got some big questions. And it's not wrong to wrestle with those things. What's wrong is just to leave them and, and put them in a drawer and not deal with them. I was at um, a leaders event a couple of years ago in front of about, I was invited to come up in front of about 100 people um, who were all leaders, some of whom I knew. 
must all know, and invited to give some prophetic words. And I knew this was coming, so I prayed and I probably fasted and I, I kind of was really trying to listen to the Lord to work out what he wanted to say. And there I was standing up with these other people who I knew could really hear God well. And they shared their words and different people responded. And my word was really specific. It was a particular date and a particular thing. And I shared it and it absolutely bombed. Not a soul in the room responded in any way. Everyone just looked at me like this. And so I stood there alongside all those other people, kind of smiling on the outside and quietly dying on the inside. don't know if any of you have had that experience before. And thought, okay, well, you know, I did try, Lord, I did try. And then afterwards, somebody came up to me and said, just in the course of conversation, um, so how did you get chosen to do that? Because in our church, we've got some, some people who really, really do hear God and could do really well in, that con- con- in the context. Now, that's how I heard what they said. And each one of us in situations like that can choose what we do with those things, don't we? And I made a bad choice because I took that on board and thought, well, I can't really hear God. Why would I even dare to stand up in front of people and talk about the prophetic or the supernatural? Who do I think I am? And it wasn't until a little while later that I realized that there were some lies that I was believing about who I am and who God is and what he wants to do with me. And so I've had to do some work about forgiving that person and processing and dealing with that and choosing to believe some truths about me rather than those lies. And so sometimes the work we need to do is a bit deeper. But if that's the case for you, if you need someone to pray with, there are loads of people here who would love to pray with you. Or perhaps you need to go back home to your church and have an Emmanuel prayer session or a sozo or maybe even some counselling about some of the experiences that you've been through. But number one, do the work. The second thing is... You may well know that advert. Don't compare. Do you remember that one? Well, the point is not that. The point is don't compare. A couple of weeks ago on Facebook, some people were posting stuff, some vineyard pastors, about what God was doing in their churches on that particular Sunday. There were people getting healed. There were people coming to Jesus. It was absolutely amazing. And as I read them, I thought, oh, well, we just had kind of like a regular Sunday morning. What's wrong with us, Lord? Why didn't you come and do that here? And then I have to choose what I do with my heart in that moment. And what I can choose to do is say, wow, that is amazing. Thank you for what you're doing over there. Bless what you're doing. And we would love to see more here, please, Lord. But the point is not comparison. He's at work in all our different church families, but sometimes in different ways. And that leads me on to the next one, which is about know the season you're in. For our church family, as we've come through the pandemic, one of the things we've found is that we've got some new people who've joined who don't even really know how to pray for one another. They've come from other church streams. Some of them are just coming to know Jesus. And be careful about that. Not hundreds of them, I'm going to be honest, but a couple of folk who are new to faith and nobody's ever taught them yet. And so we just need to know the season we're in and how we can help people grow in this at the moment. And then finally, it's just far much more fun with friends. I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me to feel isolated and alone, to take a risk for it to bomb and then go, well, I'm never going to try that again. But if I do that alongside friends who I know are all walking with me and trying to do the same thing, it's much easier to keep going. And so in different seasons, I've had kind of like WhatsApp groups I've been part of where people post, you know, have a go at this today, or I just tried this and this amazing thing happened, or I just tried this and it completely failed. And just have have some people who you can be working alongside um, as you grow and develop in this. And if you're the only person in your church who wants to step into this a bit more, well, number one, that's a bit unlikely. So why don't you go at least talk to your life group leader, your pastor, 
Or if you are the pastor, why don't you just look around and see who else God is working with, perhaps in the room today, perhaps in your area or your region, and connect with some people who have also got the same heart with you. We are the vineyard, and this is part of our DNA and who we're made to be. And so there are plenty of us. You don't need to be on your own. Right, so it's warm. Thank you for sitting well and listening. Why don't we stand together? Do you want to flap the door a bit, Sue? Thanks. <laughs> Great. And Paul said, we're opening the door for the Spirit to come in. So come, Holy Spirit, more of what you're doing. <laughs> he is here. But as we said right at the beginning, we didn't want this to, to be, um, it's not just information. So, Lord, we welcome your presence with us. What do you want us to do next? just bless what you're doing amongst us and I think a number of us are here because we just long to see more so if that's you why don't you just raise a hand now if you just want to see more oh come on thank you Lord right well then together why don't we just ask him Speak it out. If you're hungry, speak it out. Just ask him for more. Ask him where you want to see more in your life, in your church, in your family, in your community. More of your presence and more of your power, Lord. We hunger and thirst for you. God, you're the one who's given us this hunger, and we ask that you'd come and fulfill it. Come, Holy Spirit. I just bless you in your hunger. I bless you to be deepened in hunger and for the giver of good things, for the bread of life to come and satisfy that hunger. More of you, Lord. More of you, God. Increase what you're doing. Thank you, God. Yeah, let's just keep, just keep pressing in, just put it up. It's another minute or two. The Bible says the kingdom of God is at hand. Actually, the Greek there, the kingdom of God is within your grasp. And so let's just kind of like reach out. And it's not like a kind of, it's like a child who kind of reaches out to their, their parent, whatever, to grab hold of them. It's that kind of grasping. It's a good grasping. So let's just press into this. The psalm says, you know, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So let's just press into this a little bit more. I was very struck by the altar call after Pathway where he said, if you have said to yourself, I've never considered myself a leader, come forward. And I know in this room there's many people who are desperate to prophesy but not sure if they're prophetic. Put your hand on your heart if you'd like to and say to yourself, Lord, I receive your gift. 
I receive your gift. You do not receive because you don't ask. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. My publicity department didn't put that in there. It is a biblical truth. Hold on. Hold on. The promises are yes in him, aren't they? The promises are yes in him. So let's deal with this doubt issue. Prophecy, the enemy will use fear to stop us. I experience doubt, uncertainty, and fear every time I prophesy. It's the game. Put your hand on your heart and receive it. I receive it from you. It is not me. It's your gift, Lord Jesus. It's your gift. It's all about you. Holy Spirit, I receive your gift of prophecy. Let's settle that issue today and step out because the enemy will cause you to doubt. So if you've, if you've had that uncertainty, as with the leader's call, about prophecy, then receive today. Be confident today. Be Put aside the doubt today. Be ready to say to your enemy, oh, yes, I can. Be ready to say to your enemy, oh, yes, I can. Receive from him. Lord, we just receive your gift, Lord. Okay, so now you've received it, we're going to use it. So why don't we... Um, why don't we get into groups of five? Now, you might want to be with somebody who you have come with, but that might be a bit safe. So why don't you... Oh, Paul says make it smaller because I won't have time. Right, let's get into groups of four. That do? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's get... That's smaller than five. Let's get into groups of four, and we're going to give this a go. So before... Don't move. I'll do my best teacher's voice. In a minute, when I say, we're going to get into groups of four, ideally with somebody, three other people that you don't know yet... And we're not going to spend a lot of time chatting. Why don't we just um, go, for go for it? And look, I want you to take one person at a time. You've literally got two minutes with each person. And we're just going to share whatever comes to mind that you think the Lord might be saying. And if you don't know what the Lord's saying, just share whatever comes to mind anyway, even if it's a bunny rabbit, OK? So <laughs> let's mix up into groups of four. <laughs> Quick mix around. Well done. Okay, has everyone, anyone not got a four yet? Wave a hand. We need two more here. Anyone, two more here? Now, just before you start, guys, can I just say, right, listen, this, just, you've already started. Um, this is a... Right, just before we start. This is a safe place, okay? We're going to promise that if anyone says anything crazy that it just doesn't make any sense or seems ridiculous, we will quite happily ignore it. But if they say something that means something to us, straight away we'll say, thank you, I really appreciate that, okay? So, Lord, would you come and speak to us? Come and surprise us with your voice. And then just pick whoever's going first, and then you've got two minutes to say whatever you feel that the Lord might be saying to them just for two minutes. Go. Right, if I could just draw your, your attention. If I can just draw your attention. My wife's a teacher, she goes like this, and it's meant to get quieter. And it, it, works, it works for her. So, 
There'll be lots of opportunity afterwards if you want to practice. Hopefully you find that fun. I'd encourage you just to keep pressing in. Keep, you know, practicing. You know, and as you kind of go away, I know we shared a, a lot of different themes from different kind of perspectives on different issues, all kind of connected. Just going to be asking God, what is the next step for you? As you begin to try to step uh, into this and to grow in it. And then I'd encourage you just to kind of practice. This is a great environment. You know, you've got at least another half a day. And then just as you're kind of walking around, you know, we're, we're family. And just go, hey, I just went to this seminar. Can I just practice? And if you have a little bit more courage and boldness, I'm going to release them in a minute. When you go and have your lunch. I would love it if you know, I went to pray for a waitress and she goes, oh, you're the sixth person to pray for me today. <laughs> I'd be like, yes, they were listening. But, uh, so two things. One, um, yeah, there's kind of, if you want to contact us in any way that we can help you, just do feel free to contact. The easy way is just remember our first names because it's all at Winston Vineyard. And, uh, but we love this thing very much in our, our heart. Like Joe says, we're not experts in it. We're something that we're trying to press into. And if there's anything we have picked up that we can help you with, uh, then it would be an absolute pleasure. Sales pitch, sales pitch, beware. Um, my level one course teaching material, 12 one-hour sessions, and level two are available in the bookstore. Yeah. I like, yeah. Yeah, kid, if you could shift them, that'd be good, because I don't want to take them back with me. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and like we say, the videos, because at the end, because it goes into a lot more depth. Uh, on all these things that we're crammed in. Right, I just want to just bless you. If you just stand, maybe if you're not standing, maybe just stand up and put your hands in the, a ple- you know, in the, in the Bible, uh, a blessing was something that people pressed into, people fought over. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to bless you. Yeah. I just bless you with an increased expectation that comes from the revelation of increasingly knowing the Father's heart to want to bless his people and those outside. I bless you increasingly with ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. I bless your eyes to see what the Father is doing. I bless you with hearts that are broken and in love with those around you. And I bless you with increased faith and expectation and courage. You have not been given the spirit of fear, but the spirit of boldness and courage. So I just unleash you and release you to step into all that God wants you to do through you. Amen.